Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. In what way is my destiny calling me forth to be bigger than I can right now? And in what way am I resisting that? And what are those patterns? How do I do that? How do I make sure that I stall my path on the road to excellence? What's the story? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. We're all resisting something, and a lot of us are resisting help. A good manager will help you change for the better as your Sherpa on the road to excellence. So when we resist management by getting stuck in our authority projections and shame issues, we aren't sticking it to the man. We're really sticking it to our own self-development. But you always have the opportunity to stop resisting. And today's episode will arm you with the questions, practices, and mindset you can use to get into alignment with your manager and make the most out of their help. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. So, some practical things about how to be managed. One, monitor your own pain, hunger, and coachability. Ask the question, how bad do you want it? What are you willing to do to get it? And are you actually taking in feedback? So what does this mean? It means when someone who you trust or have chosen to advise you in some way gives you feedback that's difficult for you to take in, you try it on. And you know what your most common excuses are. And when you make them, you work to track them so that your coach, mentor, manager, or whatever doesn't have to point it out. Even upstream of this is the acceptance and surrender to the fact that you resist. If you are a human being and you are breathing oxygen, you resist. You're resisting something right now. So if that's your frame, that may not be significant, but that's your frame. What am I resisting? Not am I resisting? What am I resisting? In what way is my manager, life, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, is in what way is my destiny calling me forth to be bigger than I can right now? And in what way am I resisting that? And what are those patterns? How do I do that? How do I make sure that I stall my path on the road to excellence? What's the story? I'm too tired at eight o'clock to practice guitar. That's one of mine. So when I hear that story at eight o'clock, I go, oh, I know that story. I'm going to prove that it isn't true. 
Another way of talking about this is supervision. Don't need to be supervised. So if you're embodying the code at clearandopen.com slash code, it means you're not needing to be supervised so much. If you're embodying that, that code quite well, you shouldn't need to be supervised at all. So if you want to be really well managed and not supervised, here's a powerful question I've many of you have heard me say before. Ask your boss how they're supervising you. Be so hungry to know where they're having to remind you and follow up with you that they don't have to figure out the right time and the right way to bring it to you. Right? That's a really important way of understanding this. Because a manager has to navigate your shame resilience or lack thereof and your defense system so that when they bring you feedback, you don't freak out. That's what your manager is doing or your coach. When I coach, I spend about 80% of my energy navigating people's defenses, maybe more. It takes me five or 10 minutes to see somebody's root issue, having met them as a total stranger. It may take me a year and a half to find the right moment and the right way to actually bring it to them. That's the case with therapists as well. So if you know that, if you know someone who's just skilled at having x-ray vision and seeing right through your bullshit, and you have a manager, a coach, or mentor who is like that, in your own self-interest, wouldn't you want them not to have to wait or to come up with a clever way of bringing it to you? So be hungry about it and ask questions like, boss, what do you, what do you want to tell me that you think I can't handle? That's a provocative question. What's something you've been wanting to tell me for weeks and you've been trying to wait for the right moment for it? What do I think I'm good at that I'm really not, in your opinion? How many employees ask this? But really, you'll find if your boss doesn't get really excited when you ask that question, find another job because they don't give a shit about your growth if they don't get excited about that. Because a good manager should go like, wow, that's awesome that you asked. They should feel relief, which will be the letting go of the careful navigation of your defense system. Now they don't have to worry about that. Oh, thank God you asked. I've been wanting to tell you about this, but I didn't know if you were ready. So back to the code thing, if your manager is having to follow up with you, make sure you keep your word Make sure you follow through on stuff. In other words, if you're making them, making in quotes, inviting them to supervise you, then you're pulling them out of the manager role and they're going to have to spend their energy being your babysitter. And now their attention is not going to be on your long-term career development because they're only human. There's only so much they can do. If I have to make sure one of my clients is doing their assignments every week, or you know, they're canceling meetings and I got to make sure that you know, they're rescheduling and all that, that takes my head out of where it should be. And it makes me less good as a coach because some of those resources are going into administration. So you know what I do? I tell them that. I say, hey, when you leave it to me to make sure you follow through on stuff, I can't help you with the more important stuff. So how can I help you with this 
administrative stuff. That's what I call meta-supervision. Meta-supervision is when you name that you're supervising and offer help to end it. Let's take a look at your email. Let's take a look at your calendar. That's why I created the online course, Clear Workspace Open Mind, because I didn't want to have to talk about that crap anymore. Because <laughs> One time I hung up the phone after talking about, I don't know, processing email or how to use a calendar. I was like, man, I feel like I've talked about that for a thousand times. And I did a little rough math based on having done this for 16 years. And I realized it was probably 2000. And I said, that's it. I'm writing this down. I'm making videos. So that's not a position you want to put your manager in. There's another door in. Is your manager telling you something they've told you before? Do you realize that's the path to getting fired? That's like another way of looking at this, you know, using the accountability path, if you know that model. Where are you on that? Is your manager telling you something they've still told you before? Did they actually name that they've told you before? Do you realize where that goes if that continues? Or are you so busy disagreeing with their take on reality that you're, you've forgotten that they have your paycheck in your hands? Of course, fundamental to all of this is the alignment of your self-interest, what you want, and how they're helping you. Right? Because if you don't see the excellence in your job as really serving you, well, then you're kind of upside down, aren't you? So, you know, in, in, in summary, you could say is that, remember my original premise that in a business that is pursuing excellence, management is about facilitating people's relationship to change. So what is your relationship to change? You know? Do you push yourself without needing to be pushed? Is your manager having to invite you to create new projects? Do you have a vision for your job, for your department? Do you want to take your boss's job? Right, That's another way into it. Tell your boss you want their job one day and see how they react. If they're not excited about that, find another job. A good manager should want the person below them, not necessarily to take their job, but to at least become someone who could do it. If your manager can't get behind that with you, you can say, boss, I want your job, or I want to be able to do your job better than you can now. Okay, cool. I remember once uh, one of my earliest martial arts teachers slash colleagues, he, he pulled me aside. I was like 19, 20. He pulled me aside and showed me a technique in jujitsu once and uh, spent five minutes teaching to me. And then he said, kind of as an aside, he said, it's nice to know something that the other people, that they, the lower ranks don't know. That moment always stuck in my mind. Like why? I mean, because it's really common in, in martial arts for there to be a lot of control and dominance kind of stuff. Why wouldn't the teacher want their students to become better than they are? know something more, right? But that threatens the power hierarchy. Why would I want to know something that the students don't? Why wouldn't I want everyone to know this? And so it's understandable that anyone in a management or a position of power is some of their power issues are going to come up. That's going to express as a keeping people down. And that's for them to be on Perhaps the most meta to all of this conversation is a realization that many people 
have when I'm teaching this kind of stuff is that you don't know how to be an employee, right? If you hold that it's the job of an employee to make sure that the manager doesn't have to supervise them, who, who teaches us that? You know, we're taught as a very, at a very early age that authority figures supervise. My mother was always on me about putting my clothes away. She would do the laundry and then fold it all and then it would be on my bed or on a chair. And I would leave it there for like three days because I hated putting clothes away. Come to think of it, I still hate putting clothes away, but I do it because I'm a grown up. And so she would remind me twice a day for three days until I finally did that. But a better strategy would have been to manage rather than supervise. What might have that looked like? You're my mother's coach right now. And she's frustrated because she's reminding me twice a day to put my clothes away. What do you want to say to her? Throw the clothes away. Throw them away? Okay. That's one possible strategy. The- how, about, how about what are, what are you getting out of supervising your son this way? Hey, that's a great question. I like how Sam went to a, a, a kind of a, a, a very coachy direction rather than just telling her she should be doing something else. Awesome. You're, you're a softer touch on my mother than I would have been. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good question. Or maybe why does it matter to you whether or not he puts his clothes away? You're not hey, yeah. another direction, right? Because she's clearly invested doing all those reminders. It's not like I'm walking out of the house nude, right? It's, it's manageable. Other directions? Other possibilities? Rebecca wrote an if-then. So that's uh, you're talking about a, a, a sort of consequences arrangement. I like that was where I was going. Not necessarily punishment, but yeah, there were consequences. Because here's the, here, I see this all the time when uh, managers talk to me and say, I can't get my employee to do X. And I'll say, well, what are the consequences when they don't do it? And they go, what do you mean? <laughs> or they'll say something like, besides me getting angry at them? Like, okay. Right. Do they want to do X? No. Should they want to do X? Yeah, it's their job. Okay. So what are the consequences when they don't? Well, I talked to them about it. Yeah, there you go. Right. There would have been a great example. Uh, Rebecca Rebecca wrote, uh, teaching the son to do the irritating thing to get over it. Right. So that would have been a great teaching moment to say, Joseph, you know what? I know you hate putting clothes away. And I want to hear all about what you don't like about it. And this is a great moment because, you know, you're 13 and you're on the doorstep of adulthood. Sometimes as an adult, you have to do things that you don't want to do to get the results that you want. Because I didn't really learn that until I was 30. (laughs) So it would have been nice. nice. So Lori says you clearly don't have children because that (laughs) never works with them. (laughs) I tried it all. (laughs) Well, that's where the consequences come in. And yes, I don't have children, so no, I don't know what it's like. So that's where the consequences come in. So what I would, what I would do in a situation like that, as I'd say, okay, we have a new standard. After I did all the, this is in your best interests, and what's it like for you, engagement, connection, all of that, right? Why is this hard for you? Tell me about it. Okay, so are we in agreement that you get that, at least intellectually, 
you, Joseph, get that putting your clothes away is a difficult thing to do that gives you the organized room result that you want and you're training to be a responsible adult and that's important to you. Not a difficult sell, right? So the 13-year-old Joseph says, yeah, we're in agreement. Okay, cool. So here's the arrangement now. And this unfortunately is not negotiable. When I put clothes on your bed, you've got 24 hours to put them away. If you don't put them away within 24 hours, you're going to learn to do laundry and I will stop washing your clothes. And in case you think that that's not that big a deal, let me tell you a little bit about what it entails doing laundry. Let me show you how to use the machine, show you how much time it takes, show you how to fold clothes. We're going to do that together right now. That would be the consequences. And so now it's your choice. So carrot and the stick, yeah? I would offer that at 13, you should be doing your own laundry anyway. Sure. Obviously, you've, you've uh, highlighted the spoiled life I lived as a kid. I did. That is another reason why I, uh, you know, and my first job was a lifeguard, you know? So like I said, I, I didn't learn a work ethic until I was almost 30. I would have offered the argument at 13 that a clean room isn't important to me. Mm-hmm. No problem. Okay. It's not important to you. Is being able to do something difficult to get what you want? Do you understand the, the value of that at 13? No, I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> then I would appeal to something you've done and worked for at age 13. Certainly by 13, someone's already, you know, soccer practice or practicing algebra or something. There'd be some example where you worked at something that wasn't easy to get something that you wanted. Right? And I would appeal to that. And if you know your 13-year-old is particularly precocious and uh, a smart rat, you know that expression, that's the rat that jumps up on top of the maze instead of going through it, also called smart ass, then at the end of the conversation, you go, well, I've tried to appeal to your self-interest because I really think this is going to help you. And as your parent, I'm responsible for doing things or you know, insert manager here. It could be the same conversation with an employee. I've tried to make this... I've tried to help you frame this as something you should want to do and you're not getting that. So I don't like to do this, but you have to. You have to do this. And that's, again, not something I want to say because I really think this is something that will benefit you and you should want to do. But we've spent five minutes talking about it and gotten nowhere. So this is it. You have to do this. That's something you only want to do as a last resort. Supervisors like to do that that's their default mode. They don't go for that self-interest. So back to how to be managed. If you're an employee and your manager either doesn't take the time or whatever, for whatever reason, they don't connect what they're asking you to do to your self-interest, you do it. You do it. Don't be a lazy head and be like, well, my manager didn't connect it to my biggest dream, so I guess I'm going to half-ass it. That's not excellence. And you do it. And if you can't, ask for help. You know, boss, after our meeting, I was trying to connect how polishing the eggs in the refrigerator served my self-interest. And I'm not quite making the connection there. It doesn't seem that important to me. Can you, can you help me with that? You may discover it's not actually important. Or you may discover it really is. But then what, what generally happens there is when people don't make the connection, then their authority projections fill in. And they go, oh... You know, semi-consciously they go, I don't get the point of this. This is stupid. 
This is happening right now. Right now, somewhere in the world, an employee is walking out of their manager's office who just got told to do some stuff and they're going, this is so stupid. This isn't going to work. And then they make sure it won't because they half-ass it. Right? That's happening right now. Maybe you're amidst that right now yourself with your boss. Instead of going, you know what, boss? I don't get the bigger picture here. I tried to connect it. Can you help me with that? And then either of two outcomes, well, let's say two outcomes with a possible third. One is you make the connection. Woohoo, this makes sense. Another possibility, you and the manager together realize it actually doesn't make sense. Or you might realize it doesn't make sense and your manager is a jerk, and in which case you need to find another job. Those are all great outcomes though. I mean, some of them more convenient than others. But yeah. And yes, Becca, thank you for the Karate Kid reference. Max cars, paint fences for the bigger picture. We, that used to be, when I was an EMIF coach 16 years ago, that was actually in the script with a new client. You spent about 10 minutes talking about the Karate Kid and to set up the relationship to say, sometimes I'm going to ask you to do things and you're not going to get the bigger picture. You know, like the Karate Kid. And it's a useful metaphor. And every effort should be taken to make that connection in the present. It's usually not that hard. And then, you know, at the end, you can say, well, you don't see it now, but one day you're going to thank me for this, which is kind of a parental cliche uh, and often a cop out for the parent really doing the work of making the connection. You know, like my, my father used to always say, Money is really important. You really should learn about money. But he never taught me anything about it. <laughs> he'd say he'd be balancing the checkbook. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm balancing the checkbook. Money is important. You really should learn about money. I was like, okay, really important. Now, fortunately, it's stuck enough that you know one day I did learn about it. But that's half-assing as a parent, right? Okay, teach me. But then that would have uh, threatened his self-image of being a good teacher, which he isn't. Smart guy, terrible teacher. That's okay. He was a computer programmer for a living, not a teacher. But if you're going to have a kid, you kind of maybe want to brush up on some of your basic teaching skills, right? <laughs> so what do you do in those situations where your manager has given you something that they think you'll get something out of, but you just aren't? Okay. Well, then you have, if that's the case, then I'd say you have a responsibility to be really hungry to resolve it and say, boss, tell me what my blind spot is here. I don't get it. I don't see how this is, how this makes sense to the company, to the customer, to me, or this thing you say I need to work on, this skill, this attribute, whatever it is. I don't get it. I think it's fine. I don't get it. And your responsibility and your own integrity is to grind that down to find out either you fundamentally disagree with your manager and you should find another job because their take on you in reality is just fatally different or you have a blind spot. The key thing is here is you find that out. You don't harbor that dissonance for months. If you and your manager are in disagreement like that, I'd say you want to resolve that in a fortnight trying to bring that word back. It's two weeks. A fortnight. Good luck. Thanks. In German, they have this word Übermorgen, which is the day after tomorrow. Over tomorrow, over tomorrow. Wouldn't that be useful to have? We have to say the day after tomorrow. 
or Uber gestern, I think is all, um, the word for the day before yesterday. Wouldn't that be cool? Anyway. So yeah, grind it down. Find out. Don't tolerate that dissonance. Why would you tolerate that dissonance? Because that dissonance right there, that's disengagement. How can you be engaged if you're in fundamental disagreement? Your, you know, your boss thinks that, um, you know, you really need to become funnier and you go, Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate the feedback, but I don't get how this has to do with my job. And your boss is like, yeah, I don't know. I just think it'd be great if you were funnier. Let's work on that. Right. And they have a completely non compelling reason for it. Right. So right in that moment, you're out of alignment with your boss, with the company, and because they're crazy. Right? So I'd say in two weeks, you, you, you got to turn up the willingness to challenge your boss and be like, boss, I'm trying to get why this funny thing is important to you and the business and the customer. I don't get it. You know? And if you're at a theme restaurant where the waiters have to be funny, okay, then that makes sense. Or if you're a clown, Right? But uh, resolve it. That takes some pressure and, and, and a willingness to not know. Does that answer the question, Victor? It's a good one. Be hungry to resolve that dissonance. Because, you know, it's the same thing in like personal relationships and in romantic relationships. Because with, with, when little dissonances like that are allowed to stay, remain, then they fester and they start to erode the engagement. You know, you say, oh, well, I don't see it the same way as this person, but I'll just let that go. Well, I think they're delusional about about that, but I'll just let that go. And then one day, suddenly, there's just no resonance between you and that person, whether it's a spouse or a manager. And, you know, we have that expression, you know, one day you, you wake up and you feel like you're next to a stranger. How that happens is by letting these little dissonances go. Now, certainly some things, you know, you know, your wife likes her eggs runny and you like them over hard, you know, that's not something you need to confront them about. <laughs> certainly there's some things to let go. But if you're a, you know, Jehovah's Witness and your spouse is, uh, converts to Islam, you know, there maybe should be a conversation that happens there before much time goes past because you're maybe growing apart. All of this fundamentally comes down to the willingness and ability to live in reality. That's all I ever talk about. I just find lots of different ways to do it. Fortunately for me, right? Otherwise, these webcasts would just be like, live in reality. Any questions? (laughs) Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.